Stag. Man and his amazing friends. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another awesome episode of Stegman and his amazing friends. Goodness, folks, it's been uh, it's been uh, a strange couple of weeks. We had our we had our absolute carnage breakdown. It was good. We had to use the emergency backup audio. I apologize. Then Ryan, you got so sleepy, you had to take a break, <laughs> and so I had to make absolute carnage. Yeah, is the problem. Whoops. Um, God damn it, Ryan. Why you gotta be so good and faithful to your craft? I hate it. Well, I will say it was for a good reason. I had to. Uh, I I got to go to my first Marvel retweet retreat this week. So <laughs> I went to my first Marvel retweet. <laughs> yeah. No, I went to the first retreat of my career. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not the last. Um, and so knowing what I had to accomplish before I went, basically, I I I'm not kidding. I worked around the clock till I left. I I did. I turned in my last stuff at midnight the mm-hmm. night before I got on a plane and went out to New York. So now we're recording this on a Friday, your favorite thing, because you got to edit it by tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to yeah. be fine. Um, and uh, and so last week we posted, Ryan, did you happen to get a chance to listen back to our first interview from uh, ages ago? No, I never listen to myself on anything because I hate hearing my own voice. This guy uh, so doesn't care. I guess maybe maybe now I would I could go back to it and listen to it and be like, oh, you know, I don't sound that bad because it it's, feels like it's a different person. But it's mostly hilarious to listen back to because not only do I am I clearly you know prepubescent, but also yeah, um, I listened back and yes, we do ask you about you know your love life and and how everything went and you know. High school yeah. and college and the alike. Um, I thought that was hilarious that you guys <laughs> asked that, though. That was the fir- definitely the first and last time I've been asked that on a podcast. We were so. curious. You seem like the coolest guy. We had to figure out your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Little do we know, Ryan is the coolest guy. That's very yeah, true, actually. You're true. the best. Uh, and speaking of stuff... Um, oh, oh, by the way, everybody. Hey, I'm Griffin. That's Ryan. You know, we're all here. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Who's who's not here? Well, Donny Cates isn't here because it's a really big day for that guy. Big old congrats to Donny Cates because he's getting married tonight, everybody. Yes. So please send all of your all of your venom marriage questions to Donny Cates. He's in the mood right now, actually. To if if I was to gander, I would say this weekend's probably the best time to send some some venom questions Donny's yeah, way. He's not busy at all. No, absolutely not. So big congrats to to that dude and. Uh, now it's time for this week. Let's get into the episode. We're ready to go. We've got all the formalities out of the way. And now we can officially say what's up to Mr. Kenny Porter, our guest for this week. What's up, Kenny? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks. I, I'm, <laughs> Thanks it's good for to know that I'll be. Show. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It's good to know I'll be here every time Donnie gets married. Yeah. <laughs> um, that could be a lot. You never know. I hope not. I hope that yeah, they're, I hope I, they seem super happy. I hope this lasts forever. So I guess what I'm saying is this is my first and only appearance on the podcast, so I better make <laughs> it count. Um, Kenny is a budding comics genius, folks. And, uh, and this week, Ryan and him are going to just uh, go back and forth on what it's like to start. Uh, all of you, of course, have so many questions about breaking into the industry and whatnot. Uh, and we're going to touch on that this episode. We're also going to talk about some of, uh, of of Kenny's life and his creative influences uh, and some of the projects that he's got under his belt. So 
Uh, Ryan, take yeah, over so the podcast, I, Ryan. Uh, I met Kenny maybe around the same time that I met you, Griffin. Uh, probably a little bit before, mm-hmm. um, because I think I met him at um, the Cherry Capital Con in Traverse City, Michigan. Yep. Um, and I don't know what year it was, but I know that he had, at that time, he had won the uh, Top Cow talent search and done a short story or a full issue or uh yeah i did a one shot yeah one shot for top cow and then um i could just tell like he had sort of you know the go go get him attitude and uh i remember jason aaron was at that show and he he met kenny and he had if i recall correctly he told kenny uh you know he remembers being in kenny's position and to not give up because he 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 felt like at one point he had given up so it took him longer to break in than he would have liked anyway fast forward to now um you know i've been watching kenny's career over all this time we've been pretty become pretty close friends and uh, he's starting to break in right now he's getting some dc stuff going and he's got a million projects actually but you know in terms of comics the ones that people will recognize that are dc books and uh so yeah i just how did, how did we get here kenny well listen I, I don't think we should get into the biology of how I got here, but we can, we can talk about like career-wise, so we'll skip all that part. Um, okay, get, that's that's fair. Yeah, The, the uh, biological stuff, that'll be on our Patreon for all of our patrons. And the, yep, of that's for everybody who needs to know. Yeah. We're doing He's going to ex- reenact his birth. <laughs> Ryan and I are going to do a dramatic reenactment of my conception and my birth. <laughs> so, <laughs> play Each playing multiple parts in a two-man show. Well, I was um, going to say, funny yeah. thing is Ryan's going to be playing you, actually. And so this yeah. is yeah. interesting to see the creative It's going to be like those makes. Frankenstein shows where they switch characters where someone plays the doctor and someone plays the monster every other night. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's how we're going to keep the bill fresh. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I got here. Uh, I had always loved comics. I grew down. I grew up down the road from a comic book shop that's right around the corner. So I spent all of my pocket money there. And when I was a little kid, uh, I think a lot of comic book writers, when they're growing up, want to be artists. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty good at drawing, but I kind of I went away from it, and I got more interested in telling stories. I think just my ability to draw couldn't keep up with how fast I just wanted to tell and to write stories. And so I eventually traded one skill for the other. Um, And I'd always Mm -hmm. loved writing and I'd always loved comics. And throughout high school, I got super serious about writing and started teaching myself craft, uh, craft elements. And I originally really wanted to be a screenwriter. So I did a bit of ghostwriting right out of high school, writing screenplays. Uh, It didn't really end up going anywhere, but it was great experience. And Mm -hmm. after getting burned a couple of times (laughs) through some shady Hollywood stuff, I gave it up for a couple of years. Uh, And then, I mean, just like anybody else in the comic book industry, I found my way back to it by hyperextending my knee in someone's basement dancing to Thriller. So, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Explain that, please? Okay, yeah, I was at someone's house uh, for a party one night, and they were playing Thriller, and we'd all had, like, it was late in the night, so people were getting pretty rowdy, and... They had just gotten new carpet, and my foot mm-hmm. slipped on it, and my knee hyperextended and popped so loud you could hear it over the speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was laid up. Like, I had to go to the hospital and get it checked and stuff. It was super swollen, and I was laid up for a while. And so I went to the bookstore, bought a ton of comics to read, and after a while I was like, man, I've always loved these things. I love writing. Like, I really need to try 
Like, I wanted to make comics when I was a kid. I got to try to make comics again. So from there, I started teaching myself uh, just how, like, comics were made. I'd try to find anything. And this was at the point where you could find more stuff online about making comics. Uh, I pulled Mm -hmm. some books and stuff, too, that I think would be good to talk about later. But I was able to find some scripts and, like, kind of general guides about how to find an artist and stuff. And the first real comic I ever did, I wrote uh, like a black and white one shot that I worked on with an artist from Japan uh, named uh, Ali Sasagawa. And we did a crime one shot called ink ribbon, which got picked up by a tiny digital publisher and was put on some websites and stuff. And from there I entered the top cow talent hunt and got that. And after that, I was just, you know, hitting pavement, on Korean projects, like Ryan said, I talked to Jason Aaron at that SensiCon, and he told me that, you know, I just asked him flat out, like, I just had something come out from a major publisher, this issue of Artifacts, so I was like, what should my next move be? And he was just basically like, he's like, you gotta make something as fast as you can, because you don't want to get stuck, like, you don't want to get stuck in your head, and then end up, like, not having something come out for a while. Uh so I like hit the pavement. I started making creator own stuff and started sending pitches and stuff out and, and uh, eventually made my own uh, OGN called Barnstormers and did a Kickstarter. And after that, that's when stuff really started to pick up. Uh, I ended up getting an agent out of that and started doing a little bit more stuff in the book market. From there, I did some web comics based on Sega's Yakuza property, which are like, if you've never played them, it's like, double dragon meets a (laughs) Japanese soap opera. There's lots of intense staring and betrayal and lots of punching. Uh, And uh, now did you write all the intense stares. I did write all the intense. I mean, mostly this guy looks at people intently and then beats him down. So, and there are parts where you can like raise a chicken or like teach a rockabilly band to be cool, but they didn't want to put that in the comic. The stuff that I thought was the cooler parts (laughs) of the game. Um, and then, uh, like Ryan said, now I'm doing some stuff for DC. I did a Green Lantern story last year with Riley Rosmo that a lot of people seem to like. And, uh, I recently did a Red Lantern story for a summer anthology. I'm working on another thing for them right now. And, uh, I have a book that's going to be coming out from Scholastic in 2021 called The Fearless Rider that was announced, uh, last year in Publishers Weekly. So yeah, I got that and some other stuff that's coming down the pipeline i can't talk about yet so i'm a busy guy yeah when this uh we we all joke that when this uh fearless rider comes out through scholastic kenny's gonna be the richest out of all of us because those scholastic books sell like crazy oh so the first thing ryan was like i told (laughs) elementary schools (laughs) yeah dinner will finally be on kenny yeah (laughs) yeah i know exactly you were i remember you were like so how big is the yacht you're buying all (laughs) yeah yeah, we're just going to have a group yacht. Yeah, we're all going to live on the boat together, communally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'll have to pay for all of it, so I guess it won't really be like a commune. You'll just be like constant house guests. <laughs> but it'll be fun. I'll have friends, finally. And people said money can't buy you happiness. It can buy you a very exclusive group of friends on a yacht. <laughs> uh, so having having gone through all of this uh, and made it to this, this point, uh, what would your advice be to, you know, creators who are in a similar position that you were, you know, 10 years ago, Griffin included? Yeah, Griffin included, of course. Yeah. Uh, 
so I think the main thing I've been on some how to break into like comic book writing panels and things before, and I know there's a couple that people usually say. So I'm going to hit those first, but then I think I'm going to put my own take on those, kind of my own spin. So one is obviously like, as a writer, you can write as many scripts uh, and pitches as you want, but at the at the end of the day, you have to be make like producing full comics because no one's going to want to read a script by itself uh you shouldn't just be sending full scripts to editors or publishers anyway like you need to be sending completed comics to show people that you can make a comic from beginning to end that you can work with an artist and uh you know like a penciler an inker a colorist a letterer or even an editor if you hire one freelance like you need to you need to show people that you can make a comic book from start to finish because that's the best way to show someone you understand how a comic is made yeah that's that's advice that we were given to griffin and ethan here recently is just the idea of of pitching your way into marvel and dc just is it's not it's not even a thing that happens you have to make something um you know be it it doesn't have to be a comic book you know plenty of guys have written novels and then been tabbed to write um books for marvel and dc so um, yeah, but the the idea is you have to produce something physical. Yeah, it has to be a finished story. And I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to start out writing giant epics, and I wouldn't encourage anyone to do it. Like, I'd start by either, you know, write, just doing a real, like a real good short, like anything from like four to ten pages, or, you know, a one-shot, or even just like slowly building a mini or a series, you know, just something, something that a new, that you and an artist can commit to, because you don't want to try to get someone when you're just starting to commit to like a 200 to 500 page giant phone book tome. <laughs> right. Uh, Cause it's not going to happen when you're just starting. Like you need to, you don't know how long it takes or the snags that can show up. Like so much of what I've learned about making comics is from making mistakes that if I had started by doing something like trying to finish something the length of bone, I probably would have just given up. Right. Because <laughs> I would have just gone crazy from trying to complete something that long. But yeah, I would yeah. definitely start with shorts. We always called, Scotty and I always called that the, the white whale story that everybody everybody has this story and it just gets becomes this sprawling mess. And, uh, you can never you, you almost get paralyzed by all the choices you have to make in it whereas if you could start something a little uh you know smaller in scale yeah um it helps quite a bit yeah and plus it's easier to get an artist to commit to that and um right at the bat too you should definitely if you can unless it's agreed upon beforehand like you should definitely pay an artist right for the work they do like you're gonna get better work they deserve it anyway like they're making you look good <laughs> and are now, gonna help I, you yeah. oh go ahead can i read you an email i want to know if what you think about this this uh method that this guy is trying to use to get somebody to draw his comic um i got an email it has no subject okay uh, i will not tell you his name but um the text of the email is hey man i was wondering if you're in if you're y-o-u-r y-o-u-r interested in dr- interested drowning a comic that me and my brother made and we don't have the money or time to learn how to draw if you're interested email me back are you is that good there's no punctuation either in the whole thing 
I mean, first of all, I don't think it's very nice that you put my brother and I on blast on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, I took the job. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're concerned. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, that's uh, that's not a good that's not a oh, good okay. look. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's a good look. Did you get that's that like today? Artists. What's that? Did you get that I like got this that, like, week? Two, two or three days ago. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, tell me how you how you approach artists. Uh, I usually try. My favorite way is to just I. I like getting to know someone as I work with them. So I really like meeting people at conventions because then I can see their work and talk to them about it and find out what they're into. But a lot of times too, I've met people just cruising around on the internet or like looking for, that may sound like I was doing like internet dating. I just feel (laughs) (laughs) when I'm cruising around on the internet looking for artists, um, when I've when I I like I'll go around looking at new books that are coming out or a lot of indie stuff or on Kickstarter just anywhere where there's people who are doing interesting new projects and I'll get in contact with them and I'll see what sort of stuff they're working on if they have anything if they're open in their schedule if they'd be interested in working together so a lot of it is just reaching out and talking to people a lot of it even at the beginning I don't ask people if they want to work on something I just ask I just want to talk to them about their work Mm-hmm. Um, I don't try to push it or anything. I think the weirdest thing of just like assuming people want to work with you is a weird way to go. <laughs> uh, well, I think that there's there's definitely something about your attitude too, where um, it's always there's always a positivity behind it. Because I remember when I used to try to find when I was you know trying to break in or whatever, um, there were a lot of writers that would approach you, but they'd approach you with like this sad story about how they couldn't get any work and, and they, you know, they really wanted blah, blah, blah. And then you, you kind of leave feeling like, I don't know about that guy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll take that as a compliment that my positive attitude. Well, I I think that it's important. I, I really do. Like, I think that's a huge portion of the puzzle. Yeah. Piece of the puzzle. Well, a lot of it too, is you just gotta know, like you're not, gonna it's very rare you just break in absolutely right away like i remember some of the best advice i got was from a famous letterer named dave sharp i took a class a lettering class with him mm-hmm. and he told me like i don't care what you're doing in comics like you i'm gonna tell you right now like the best advice he ever got he was like if you want to do anything professionally in comics you got to be willing to do it without breaking in for 10 years yeah i agree with that he was I mean, like, you that wasn't the case for me. But. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to have that dedication. Like, you right. have to be like, I can see, like, trying and working on my craft for 10 years before anybody notices. Absolutely. No, the, like, the positivity thing that I'm talking about, I think that I got work prior to when I was ready solely because I was so positive and, and excited and, you know, just willing to take criticism and, want, and showing that I was, like, willing to... to you know, try anything to, to get the, the opportunity. And I think that's kind of where you're at. Yeah. And you know, people are going to want to work with you when you want to make comics and are positive about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when, I mean, half of, half of comics, like it's a very small industry. Everybody knows each other. Like if you're not having fun, nobody's going to want to like, nobody's going to want to come over and play, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, that'd definitely be one of my big, one of my big things is like, just, when you're when you're trying to find other people to work with, find people who like the same stuff as you and that you can get along with. Because you guys are based like it's 
you know, I made a joke about it earlier, but it's like dating. Like you're going to be talking mm-hmm. all the time on the phone. You're going to be working on something. You can just send your child out into the world for people to read and experience. Like you've got to be, you got to find people that, you know, are just as passionate about it as you are. And I've been lucky. Right. Like I've worked with a lot of great people who love comics. And after I get off the phone with them, I'm just so much more jazzed yeah. to go and write stuff or to come up with something new. And we end up, you know, it's just like, it's a great feeling. Like, I don't want comics to be a, to be a chore. <laughs> I want it to be fun. Yeah. So yeah, finding somebody you can get that groove with is very important. Well, that's, that's why I feel like Donnie and I get along so well. We like, we're just always excited. I just was with Donnie in New York this pa- these past three days. And I mean, the whole time it was just excitement. And I got to see the way that people reacted to what we were doing up at the company and everybody, I think that our excitement gets them more excite- excited. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, what you guys yeah. are doing. And what do, what is coming up, Brian? I almost said it just now. <laughs> I really did. I, I started stuttering because I was like, oh, shit. I, I was about that. to tell you, like, oh, you might want to pull back. Yeah. <laughs> pull up, pull up, Ryan. Mm-hmm. It's the wine. He's already got the wine going. Um, of course. I can't podcast without wine. <laughs> My I style have... of podcasting is what I like to call low energy. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think we're going to have to do like an official like time marker for whenever the lean back happens. And that's just yeah. like the official, how long can we get you to go before the lean back? I'm on my best behavior right now. That's all I know. Well, I appreciate I'm leaning it. forward. I'm talking right into the microphone. Oh my gosh. I got you great. to sit up. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably the greatest honor you've ever given me. Is telling yeah. Me I mean, normally when I talk to Kenny, I'm, I'm half engaged. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, and I'm doing this and this. He's like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me when you're doing Daredevil, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Which will happen someday. I would Mark my words. Daredevil. DC, can you give Kenny a Red Lantern book? Thank you. Well, I'd like it if he did Daredevil right now because the guy writing it is, the, is such a shithead. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> That's Chip. I'm just kidding. Uh, Kenny, where do you see... Where do you want things to go from here? Uh, I think mainly like I'm starting to work on on a lot of different types of books. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really picture myself doing YA stuff, although mm-hmm. like I've enjoyed it a lot over the past couple of years. I have the one from Scholastic coming out and a couple others that haven't been announced yet. And I think I really see myself like I love the the superhero stuff or the dark and gritty stuff. I have a weird I have a weird spot in comics because like literally everything I've published has been like a different genre, which I like. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm not in one box because like the first thing I did was straight up like horror, like Hellraiser type horror stuff. I've done YA adventure things. I've done like superhero action stuff with like Green Lantern, Red Lantern. I love all that stuff, but I really like, I want to keep doing superhero stories because I love them. I want to keep doing horror stuff. I want to keep doing YA stuff and then maybe mix them all at some point this is this is all out the window when kenny has his yacht money <laughs> and then i'm like, like just kidding yeah you know what forget we're working on stuff everything's just gonna be a t-shirt now <laughs> we're just gonna make toys yeah. who who are your favorite character like who who are the characters that you would most want to work on man listen for like already i got to knock green lantern off the list so that mm-hmm. was pretty awesome 
consider like I'm. I didn't even know. It. I'm wearing a Green Lantern shirt right now, but that's how right. much of a Green Lantern fanboy I am. Uh, I do love Daredevil. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big Captain America fan. I've always thought that would be fun. Uh, I also really like villains. Like I would mm-hmm. love to do like a Hobgoblin heist story. Mm-hmm. Would be super fun. Like yeah, that's I've always cool. yeah I've always loved the Goblin characters. So doing mm-hmm. something with them would be really cool. Um, I mean, gosh, there's so but like Batman, obviously. Yeah, I was gonna be, say you didn't say Batman yet. Everybody says Batman. You have to say Batman. I just feel like everybody says Batman though, so I didn't want it to be the first one. Right. Because everybody says it. I don't want Are we at the point guy. where you say Spider-Man? I do. I would like to do Spider-Man. I loved Spider-Man oh, yeah. so much as a kid that um, we had to do a pen pal program when I was in like mm-hmm. third grade with somebody with like somebody in a job we would want. And you had Peter Parker? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't. Oh. Yes, I was writing some, some nerdy kid who worked at a newspaper. Uh, right. But no, I, the guy that I had... I just started, like, I stopped asking him about his job and just started telling him what happened in Spider-Man, the animated series that week. <laughs> and he just, <laughs> he just, uh, he just uh, humored me and would just be like, oh, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> All the time I was like, yeah, and then, like, the Sinister Six were there, and for some reason Mary Jane was made out of water. It was really I weird. like it, too, because he would have just watched it if he really wanted to know what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Some some guy was an accountant or something was like yeah right. this cool things kids tell about Spider Man, uh but yeah Spider Man would be great I mean, I would I like I've always loved the character and damn like I go, guess I go just go ahead like I want you, really... I want you to pitch me Spider Man right now <laughs> Spider Man right now this is easy you can do this okay listen wait actually you're gonna pitch one then Griffin's gonna pitch one and I'm gonna oh, pitch <laughs> just <fuck>. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, I'm actually, I got it. I got my notes. Let's do it. <laughs> do you really want me to pitch a Spider-Man story? No, I'm just, I'm just trying to put you on one the spot. One day, one oh, okay. day we'll do to it. One day we'll do the battle royale. This is like what our friend Jim does to me, where he just calls me when he's bored. He's like, "Pitch me a story for this character," like almost as like a <laughs> mental exercise. Just to our keep friend me on Jim Toe, Jim Toe the Mummy himself. Yep. <laughs> Jim Toe's the Mummy. They heard that story on the podcast two we weeks didn't. ago. Oh, that's good. Um, that showed up in another comic, didn't it? Yeah, in Ryan's, uh, in Mountainhead. Yeah, in Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Lee's play. Uh, I'm going to have to work it in somewhere now. Um, <laughs> uh, crud, where were we? Oh, yeah, but I've um, other characters I want to work on. I don't know, like Constantine, I've always wanted to work on him. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Hellblazer. Uh, I, oh, gosh, Swamp Thing would be awesome, too. Yeah. Swamp Thing's great. Mm-hmm. Just so much you can do with that character. Like, I, yeah. there was one summer I just completely devoured the Alan Moore saga of the Swamp Thing, just bought book after book. I was going to say, I, I would be afraid to write Swamp Thing because I have so much reverence for the Alan Moore stuff that I think I'd just be trying to do an impression of that. Oh, yeah. I think the only way, I would just have to, I would have to promise myself I wouldn't try to read it again and I would have to, I would have to completely forget about it, try to go in a completely different direction. Otherwise, I would be tempted to just ape it. Yeah, I've read it too many times. I don't think that I could get away with it. It's like my favorite. It might be my favorite written comic of all time. It's really good. Like, I know, like Watchmen's great, 
but mm-hmm. I don't know. I for prefer some reason. I prefer Swamp Thing. I mean, Watchmen. Yeah. Watchmen sucks. Let's be honest. <laughs> Venom's better than it. Pirate story in the middle. Well, yeah, that's the that's the whole problem. Yeah. Get that out of there. I think there. I don't think there's pirates in Swamp Thing, but if there are, it's probably better. Yeah, he should have done a pirate story throughout Swamp It'd Thing. It'd be great. He's all hiding in the floorboards of the ship and stuff with some mold. It really yeah. works much better in Swamp Thing. Come on, Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. There's tons. I pretty much write anybody. I love the B list characters. So mm-hmm. some of my favorite runs are stuff like Animal Man and Doom Patrol and stuff, where it's just a crazy take on a B list character. So I just I I just want to write comics and have a good time. That's well, this is one of my favorite things about your approach too is how much you love comics you're, you're still a wednesday warrior oh yeah you know you and i hear you and riley rosmo on our skype calls we'll go over all the books you bought every wednesday i i don't keep up with books in that way like month to month but yeah you two are <laughs> you guys get much. all your comic no- news from riley and i just going like okay i got this one this one this one this one this one was great this one was awesome yeah <laughs> riley gets on riley will get on and he'll go all right you want to hear what comics I got today? And I'll be in no uncertain terms. I reply, no, I don't care. <laughs> and uh, he, he just plows through. It's my favorite web show. Yeah. Is Riley's book list. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, anything really like I, I love, I do love the B list tier characters, but all the ones I mentioned would be dreams to work on. Right. Well, um, Griffin. Crowbar. Oh, yeah, you want to get to crow, Crowbar? All right, well, this is this is the sad portion of the uh, podcast, but <laughs> Kenny has uh, a book that I'm obsessed with getting published. Um, I can't believe that, you know, a couple publishers have passed on it because it's really, really a crazy story. It's got uh, the story of Kenny's uh, childhood growing up. He's got, one, he's got a pitch out there called Crowbar, if any publishers are listening or any fans and you can you know lean on a publisher to get this published uh it it, i really think that it needs to exist so go ahead kenny uh you can tell us what that story is about sure um i guess then maybe i don't know should we frame it with me just talking about my life first and then telling and then saying what the comic is since it's yeah sure that, that that probably works best okay so uh, a few years ago, I did a pitch for a graphic memoir called Crowbar with Gail Galligan, who, if you don't know her, she's super talented uh, comic book artist. She does, uh, I don't, I think she's doing a new project, but for a while she's been doing the Babysitter's Club books at Scholastic, and they're amazing. Um, we were working on this graphic memoir pitch uh, about my life, and I guess like there's real no way to start except for the beginning, so... I'm going to, I'm going to take us back to the beginning. I'm going to work through a digested version of what the whole story is. And I'll tell you what's in the pitch. So, uh, I grew up in West Michigan Mm -hmm. and, uh, I had a dad who was very physically and mentally abusive, uh, would do really horrible, horrible things to my mom, uh, aside from, you know, just, uh, verbal abuse, like, physical abuse on a big scale, uh, aside from, you know, just hitting and stuff. There were times when he would handcuff her in a room and leave her there sometimes, or, uh, would make us go upstairs and unplug all the phones and we would have to hear 
the aftermath downstairs during, you know, he would take by, by we, you mean you and your brother, me and my correct? little brother and I, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, so we would have to hear that sort of thing. And so for years she saved up enough money to leave him. Mm-hmm. So when she finally got the money, we left, we went and stayed in a hotel and everything I had to have, because he worked in uh, law enforcement, he was a prison guard. Like they wanted to make sure that we were safe. So uh, for a while I had a police escort to school. I had to, uh, I was being picked up by a police officer and driven there hmm. for a long time. I don't know if I ever told you that part. I don't, yeah, I didn't know that. Part. Yeah. It was for a while while like just in the initial before we ended up going back home and he moved out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then for a while, while the divorce was going through, uh, we would go and see him every little bit. And one of the times when we were going to see him, when he started to, he was very charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why a lot of people like couldn't believe it was happening. Uh, cause outwardly he was like a super nice guy and people, uh, seemed to really like him. And mm-hmm. So he started kind of being charming and buddy-buddy again, and my mom needed a new car. So one day he convinced her uh, that during the time he was supposed to have with us, he would leave us with his sister and he would drive her somewhere to get her a new car. Uh, Instead, he dropped us off and he drove her a couple of miles away and then drove her side of the truck into a tree at 50 or 60 miles an hour. trying to kill her and what that didn't work and she crawled out of the side of the truck he grabbed a crowbar from the back uh the truck bed and started to beat her over the head with it uh luckily a couple of guys on a deck like grilling that day saw it happen like they saw the car crash and already called 911 they saw him starting to hit her and they rushed and tackled him uh so he eventually went to prison for her attempted murder and she had months of recovery and, like, severe nerve damage uh, from it. And after that, a uh, few years later, like, it kind of took its toll in just uh, my mom kind of getting hooked on painkillers and that spiraling into her disappearing for a week at a time or being super like hopped up on medications either her doctors gave her or that she took herself and like pulling us out of bed in the middle of the night by the ankle and screaming at us sort of thing so what this uh what this comic was about was supposed to do was to chronicle the moment um like the crowbar came into my life and how it kind of stood there and hung around because like what was even more messed up is like some kids weren't allowed to play with us after that happened Mm -hmm. uh because the parents thought that we were going to hurt their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my brother got chased off someone's lawn. Um, someone used to make fun of me for the fact that like my mom almost got murdered. Right. Uh, like used to tease me incessantly about it. Um, and so it like wasn't a good time. And then in high school when it just like started all come to a head with the drug abuse stuff as she started hoarding and I, I want to preface right now that like I have a much better relationship with my mom now. I call her every day and check mm-hmm. on her and everything. <laughs> and we've moved past this and I've forgiven her for everything. But like because of the crowbar, like it changed her as a person. And right. the way that I ended up dealing with it and like keeping a positive attitude was through 
stories and not just escaping, but like finding like hope and inspiration from stories and then wanting to tell those and give that to other people, which is really the only reason that I write or tell stories is to give people that feeling of like, man, like, you know, whatever it is, like just that enjoyment, whether it's sadness or excitement or feeling scared, just like the great things that a story can do to help you either learn or cope or even, even if it is escape for a little bit. Right. So that's why I wanted to do this crowbar book and the, 10 pages that we did as a pitch that I did with Gail were chronicled the the moment that we were dropped off at my aunt's house the crash happening the attempted murder and my aunt coming in the room to tell us what had happened and me seeing her just like devastated Mm -hmm. like not able to tell us what was going on but like writing her phone number in the inside of a marble bag for us to have like in case we ever needed her Mm -hmm. Um, like to, and like flipping it inside out and giving it to us just like as if it were a toy we took with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, and my uncle coming to pick us up and then me seeing her afterwards for the first time. Cause I didn't see her like until weeks after it happened, I think. Right. Uh, because she was like in the hospital covered in stitches. Right. Uh, so that's what the, that's what the pitch covers is just the, only the first 10 pages you go through all that and it doesn't even touch like the time skip of what happens later on when things start to really pop off and I have to come to like, come to grips with my mom being different, uh, my dad dying in prison. Um, so never really getting any closure there. And then just eventually like at a point when I like decided to go and sleep outside on a bench by myself to escape it, like realizing what I needed to do to get out of it. So really the point of the book is to inspire other people who are in that situation that they don't have to be in it and that they mm-hmm. can find a way out of it. So that well, being that's, said, yeah, that, that's the premise. Of the <laughs> yeah. Th- this is, this is like one of the, to me, this is a, a, a horrible story, but it's, it's so inspirational because knowing you uh you're like one of the most positive good people that I've ever met and you went through uh something worse than anybody I know has ever gone through and I I, I can't even fathom how you can be so well adjusted adjusted we've we've talked about that a lot but it doesn't it just doesn't even make sense to me because I don't I don't know how I would have held up in that situation but uh I this is why I want this story told though. Cause it's, to me, it's, it's, it's an inspiration. Yeah. Well, thanks man. And I do remember a couple of times of me telling you stuff that's happened when I was a kid and you screaming, why are you normal at me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- I mean, that's always mystifying to me. Like I still, you know, I think about every once in a while I'll find myself wallowing in the time that my parents didn't give me chocolate milk, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what bad parents I had. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'll be like, hey, so one time I woke up and my mom was in jail and the landlord came up and told us we didn't belong in the house we were in and I had to negotiate another week's rent. Right. Well, the, <laughs> the funny thing is the way that you tell these just casually sometimes, almost as though because your life has been such so, you know, crazy, these these random stories will seem normal to you. And then I feel like we'll point out to you, that's insane. <laughs> You're like, Kenny, that's not normal. I'm like, yeah, yeah but it happened, whatever. Things have been worse. But I, 
But I mean, you you stuck to your guns and and the fact that you are breaking into comics and well, I mean, you've broken in now. Um, I didn't. I don't know if this is like. Uh, I thought you were the perfect person to have come on here and talk about because a lot of people that listen to this seem to want to be inspired. Um, you know, for their attempting to break into comics and uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine a better story for it. Thanks, man. Yeah, and I'd say that just like on top of that, you there's nothing there's nothing in your background or anything that you need to give you an edge mm-hmm. of knowing anybody or being anybody like you just have to love telling stories so much that you'd be willing to do it for free and still put your whole heart into it right um and if it's comics then it's comics if it's novels it's novels if it's you know illustrated poetry it doesn't matter but for me like it's comics is the whenever i think of a story the first thing i think of is like how do i make this an awesome comic so that's just right. the reason that i've gravitated towards that this also gives me the ability because every once in a while i'll give advice on breaking into comics on twitter and there's inevitably a person on there that will go uh they'll say something to the effect of they're being kept out and it's not you know it's not their fault and that I, what i'm saying you know because i a lot of my advice is to just keep Keep, keep grinding, keep going, have a positive attitude. And, you know, they'll, they'll reply with a negative attitude. But now, from now on, I can just link them to this episode of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen that, too. The, like, I'm being... It is a weird thing, isn't it? Like, I don't know if there's any other industry where that happens, where people, like, claim that they're being... Right. Lockdown. There's there's a lot of entitlement uh, where people are like, well, I, I made one 10 page comic. Uh, give me my job now, you know, and it just doesn't work that way. No, it's it's just not a it's not enough. You yeah. have to just keep you just have to keep making it and like sharing it, giving to people and, you know, just generally being a part of the conversation. It's just that's all yeah. it takes is you just have to be excited about it and want to make stuff. Right. Absolutely. So I also, in anticipation of this, I put Crowbar up on my website so people can read it. Oh, that's great. So if they go, I'll, I don't know if you want to like link it in the show notes or something to Griffin. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. Okay. But if you go to portercomics.com and you go under my comics tab, there's a cover of it. You can click it and read it on the website. Um, I know that, uh, like Gail has wanted, like wanted to work on it, but she's booked up pretty much indefinitely. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to find a new artist eventually. But I'm always gonna keep these pages because she did amazing. It's really good, incredible work on them, mm-hmm. and people need to see them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. Publishers, <laughs> I, I like. I am like prime demographic i'm 21 years old you guys love us it's like 18 to 25 or something that's like the demo i read these crowbar pages i love it and i want it i want more of it do it i don't understand <laughs> we'll, pu- we'll publish i know that this seems like a no-brainer to me fucking books but this one no i don't get it <laughs> yeah um all right. Well, we can. I guess we can move past that, even though it's difficult to. Uh, what I want to do now, I think, is uh, Griffin. I know that you're an aspiring creator. Uh, do you have any specific questions for Kenny about? Well, um, I know you guys have talked already. Yeah, so that's I've kind of I've already this. had the privilege to sit down with Kenny and uh, and talk about all the hopes and dreams that Ethan and I have. 
Um, and I, uh, 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 we showed him some scripts and stuff, and he was very, very awesome about getting us some awesome feedback. Um, and I think the, the, the sort of basis of what I had questions about was a lot of how do all these very specific sort of industry things work and whatnot, and uh, how do you get paid, what are page rates, what do those usually look like, um, and uh, more or less... Um, how do you get stuff? I think right now, like a question I was wondering is like, what's the best way to get something printed? Uh, that was something I was thinking about earlier this week. Um, cause we're, yeah, we got to find artists of course, but then we've got this digital art. How do we make it physical, Kenny? Uh, yeah, I could handle that. Um, <laughs> uh, so I mean, there's a lot of printing options nowadays. Like there are print on demand printers who will set it up online. So if people just click and buy it they'll print one and ship it to them you can do like limited uh print on demand runs you can do big uh offset printing runs Mm -hmm. i think depending on what you're gonna do with it depends on what you should pick so if you were gonna do let's say you're gonna do a kickstarter for a book either a single issue or an ogn i'd probably do like an offset printer like print ninja or something where you could print a bunch and get the most out of your like get the most out of your print run for mm-hmm. your buck because the more with offset printing, the more you print, the cheaper it is. So let's say okay. like 500 copies is about for I'll throw out. These aren't realistic numbers, but let's say just for, mm-hmm. to round them up, let's say yeah. 500 copies is uh, about 2000 bucks for like a thick OGN. And then mm-hmm. you bump it up to 750 and it's only $2,300. And then you bump it up to a thousand. It's only 2,400. Yeah. Like the more you do, and those aren't realistic numbers, but it's about, yeah. uh, the more you do that way with printing, uh, with offset printing, it'll work out. Um, sure. and you'll get more bang for your buck. Uh, if you're just going to make a book available for people to download and buy, like maybe the offset, like print one and done is the better way to go. So I think that, I mean, if you were going to, I guess for the best example for this, what were you thinking? Like, what's your next move? Like with a printing thing, what are you thinking of doing? I think we would need, <laughs> Ethan, uh, we would, I think we would need something. What should we be showing, uh, editors or, or folks okay. from, from, uh, publishers? So, so for example, what you showed me was a, you guys gave me an awesome script Thank for you. a mini series that you want to start doing. Mm-hmm. I would complete, that first issue and do a print run either you can just do it yourself or it would be great to do a kickstarter too just to like get some visibility on it and get people to share it and get people to see it and i'd take those comics to shows and table with them and then also mm-hmm. just go to the booths of publishers of editors that you like so not mm-hmm. just editors but like you should want to work with people whose stuff that you like and you know editors have their input in books like you know what you know what books you like to read, so you know what editors you like mm-hmm. based on those books. So you should like definitely talk to them. And the best approach I would say is don't go looking for work necessarily. Just go looking sure. to make a connection and let them know that you're making comics. Just be like I, you know, yeah. let them know how much you love the books that they work on, and give them a copy of yours and tell just encourage them to read it, and then ask if you can just keep in touch with them. Sweet. Okay. That would be the move. That would be definitely the move that I would do. And it's the ones that foster the better working relationships because if you just come at somebody, 
like I hate it when people just come like come at people trying to sell stuff whether yeah. it's like cold marketing calls and stuff like like mm-hmm. I said before it's all about working with people like I want to work with great people and make great comics so I want to make those connections so that's what that's definitely what you'd want to do with with printing your first comic is just uh, print as many as you need in the situation that you need. So if you were going to print one to show to people and maybe just to get it out there and to try to fund doing more, I would think about doing maybe some kind of crowdfunding, whether it's Kickstarter or Indiegogo, doing an offset print so you have a bunch to sell and then a bunch to give away. Mm-hmm. And I would give uh, I would give copies to editors whose work you like and then give them to other creators that you really like too, just so that they can check out your work. Awesome. Yeah. And so with these shows, these shows that we hear so much about, are these you are these just comic conventions or yeah, are sorry, specific I always ones call or them shows? I sure. <laughs> I sorry. That's why I No, that's yeah, right. That's why I figured they were. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what yep. I thought. I wasn't sure if there's was some weird super exclusive publishing expo that means There's a secret one that we don't on. tell you about. That's yeah. just all we get to walk up to editors and then get all the jobs. It's oh, yeah, it's just, damn it. The, the convention is just editors, and then we have maybe five, it's like 45 editors, and then maybe five people are invited to come to the show and get their work reviewed. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Where's our invite, Ryan? But you're with me now. Yeah, Griffin. There's the end. You, you can come to my shows and be my booth, babe, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll introduce you to all They all the had editors. to do it, Griffin. I had to do oh. it. Oh my God! I will be I will be anybody's booth babe, but to be your booth babe, Brian, is a true honor. I know. <laughs> There's a great book that talks about all this too. So just like Ryan did that one time, I pulled a bunch of books. Oh, so cool! Yeah, yeah that I think would be great for anybody who wants to just either a write comics or b make comics. Um, mm-hmm. So for that, I'm one, actually excited to hear this. Okay, myself. cool. All right, so for that one, Chip there's a great it. book. uh there's a great book called make comics like the pros that uh greg pack and fred van lanty did Mm -hmm. um that takes you all the way from so unlike other ones where it's just talks about process and the nitty-gritty of how things work this takes you through creating a comic from inception to scripting to um to finding an artist paying them to uh, finding an inker, colorist, letterer, uh, or even hiring a freelance editor, and then creating the pitch, and then sending out to places, and then doing Kickstarters and print runs, and how much that costs, um, and the different types of printing. So it basically takes you through, if you wanted to make a book and fund it yourself, how to do that entirely, like, punk rock out of your garage, uh, from soup to nuts. So that's a great book to have like mm-hmm. taught me a lot when I was doing my Kickstarter for Barnstormers. Sweet. Um, another great book, just in terms of writing, this is one of the first ones that I grabbed uh, that's kind of a staple for everyone, is the DC Comics Guide to Writing Comics by Dennis O'Neill, which has a lot of script examples from uh, famous DC and Marvel books and also uh, just goes into like how to plot a one shot versus plotting something that's longer. And if you're worried about structuring something like how to do a basic three act structure in a comic. Uh, so it's really good for anybody who, who needs a, like a definitive starting point for writing a comic script. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, 
this one's just kind of a nostalgic one for me because <laughs> it was the first one that I picked up. Um, I talked about this once actually at a show. I don't remember if you were there or not, Ryan. Were you there when I was talking to Dennis Hopeless about the Pale Yeah, pr- yeah that was probably at Cherry Capital Con also. Yeah, it was. I was talking to Dennis Hopeless about like the first comic book script I ever read was in this Panel 1 book, and it was mm-hmm. the the issue of Miracle Man that Neil Gaiman wrote about them climbing to the top of the weird pyramid. Um, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, it's good. And we were just talking about how bonkers of a script it was and how weird it was. It was both the first script that he and I ever read. Um, so that's a great book because it has a lot of famous scripts from Neil Gaiman and Greg Rucka, Jeff Smith. Uh, so you get to see how a bunch of different people script. So like Neil Gaiman's way more traditional, whereas like Jeff Smith just draws layouts with notes, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't even script or anything. So it's really cool to see it, how different people approach it, whether you're drawing your own stuff or you're writing your own stuff. Uh, and what another, was that one called again? Uh, panel one. Okay. Then there's uh, Will Eisner's graphic storytelling and visual narrative, uh, which is just overall like about the visual, visual mechanics of comics. And this is something I don't know that a lot of people say this, and I don't know if I'm in the minority on this, but I also try to learn as much as I can about comic art and how a page is put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I buy, I like I love artist editions and I love process stuff. I love to see how people put layouts together. Uh, I think it helps me a lot in writing of knowing like what's going to work when I'm scripting something. Mm-hmm. So anything you can get, like pretty much anything by Will Eisner you can get is a good move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. dude knew his stuff. Um, so I would encourage that. I'd also encourage like any process stuff you can find of seeing someone put their work together, especially if it's someone who draws their own stuff. Uh, from soup to nuts, like how something's made. It just, it'll help with writing a lot when you're picturing what will work better on a page. Right. Uh, Just because I know like a lot of times when I was starting out, I was trying to put too much in a panel or too much on a page or sometimes too little. And that pacing and stuff is something that comes from the, you know, the 10,000 hours thing you hear all the time about just like immersing yourself in it. You it eventually clicks and you know how to just think it up. Right. Uh, do it. I mean, I at least think I can do that. I might be over, <laughs> over exceeding what I actually know how to do, but I like to think that I try to do that when I'm writing something. Like I try to, when I sit down to do like write the page number, I try to think about what the page is going to look like and how it's going to work and what the big visual part of that page is going to be. Yeah. So those are the books, those are the main books I would recommend. There's a bunch of other ones, but off the top of my head for anybody starting, I think those would be really good from like a mix of like theory and craft and then actual like making a comic from start to finish. Sure. While you were talking, I went on Amazon and bought panel one. (laughs) Oh, nice. That's on its way now. Sweet. Yeah, there's some good ones in there. There's an Astro, the first Astro City by Kurt Busick's in there. Right. Um, I think there's some Marv Wolfman in there and stuff too with some Dwayne McDuffie. But yeah, that uh, that first Miracle Man script is pretty nuts. Cool. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Awesome. Ryan, did you have anything that you wanted any anything else you want to talk about? Uh sorry about the emotional roller coaster, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we came Listen, back through. 
Yeah. yeah. We start off yeah. on a high note, took him down through the through the trenches, came no, back I, up I, on the other side. I would like to add everybody follow Kenny on social media. Uh, what's your name on Twitter, Kenny? Uh, at Ken Blake Porter, because I think at Kenny Porter was taken by the MMA fighter or boxer there you or go. whatever he is. Um, because you you'll get to see his uh, ascension to comic book stardom, and uh, you know you get on, on the ground floor. So, um, uh, thanks, Ryan. someday you're gonna make yeah. it too. So. I I, I want to make I don't want to make it anymore. I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm so tired. You just lay back, week. and I'll I'll catch that glass of wine as you're laying back, yeah. and I'll set it on the table. Yeah, for I you. haven't leaned back yet. Nope. I'm into this. You know, lean this back. is yeah, the yeah. greatest compliment you've ever given. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for real. Uh, you know, follow Kenny on all this. I mean, you your your Instagram's pretty inspirational. With the you know you 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 post about the things that you're writing and. Uh, yeah, half of that know. is just to make sure I stay on top of it. I do give you guys like a prog. I feel like a doofus sometimes because I give you guys like a progress report in the morning. I'll yeah. Be like, okay, so this morning I did four script pages. I outlined this thing. I sent this pitch. Well, yeah, I mean that, but that's essentially what we're doing. Every page that we put in there, you know, um, I guess that's just the writer's version of it. Yeah. So you're always like, hey, I'm still doing stuff. I'm still, you guys, I'm still doing things. I'm not just sending weird memes. Um, do you want to tell us uh, what books people can already uh, check out of yours? Sure. Um, people can go and check out... Uh, I mean, besides Crowbar on your website, everybody should go yeah. check that out for sure. Um, I have links on my website to everything else too, but um, oh, okay. you can check out... Uh, I had a Green Lantern Guy Gardner story in Cursed Comics Cavalade, which I, or Cavalcade, which I believe is coming out in a hardcover collection in October. So that's going to come out with a bunch of other horror shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get the Dog Days of Summer anthology that has my Dexter Red Lantern story in there, which Griffin yes. loves. Yes! <laughs> get the ongoing. Where's the Dexter ongoing? Give it to me. I, I don't know, Matt. You're going to have to call them about that <laughs> and put in a word. Ryan, do you have DC Comics phone number? Yeah, it's it's just one eight hundred DC Comics. Okay, I'll get on that. Um, you can pick up Barnstormers right now on Comicsology. Uh, that hasn't been announced, but we're gonna be doing there's there's gonna be a new release of that pretty soon. Um, and uh, you can read the crowbar pages on my website, and then I will have Fearless Rider out in twenty twenty one. Uh, and then there's some other things that are can't say yet, but yeah, a lot of stuff. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, yeah, there's there's one thing in particular that I know that's coming up that's going to be really really cool, but yeah. yeah, obviously we can't say anything. I know. About it. Once I got your stamp of approval on it too, I was like, okay, so it doesn't suck. Like it's yeah. Oh, actually, good. Kenny Kenny's worked as you know behind the scenes on the, on everything that I've written. He's kind of taken a look at. He was the first person that I showed it to to kind of get his advice. Um, cause I know he has great instincts, so. Yeah, I was happy to help, man. You're a good writer. Mm-hmm. You didn't need too much help. The best, the best writer. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's going to be just about it for us folks for this week's episode. Um, that's Ryan. That's Kenny. Ryan, wait, what's your thing? You're at Ryan Stegman, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean they all they already follow nah, me. They already let's follow let's be honest. You. That's right. Well, who they need to follow is me and Ethan. I'm at Griff Sheridan. Ethan being the best rewind boy possible, being quiet, making sure we don't sound like shit. He's at Tales to Astonish. Yes, he snagged Tales to Astonish Dang. somehow. Um, and uh, you can follow us and uh, check out some of the stuff that we're working on as well. Besides this show, um, 
Oh, and follow Stegman Show. And follow this show at Stegman and Friends or Stegman Show. Stegman and Friends is our email. So if you want to email us, you can email us at uh, stegmanandfriends at gmail.com. Um, we've had uh, we've had some pile up and whatnot, so we'll probably have another mailbag episode coming up soon. Um, and more fun stuff is on the way. I know I keep saying it every single week, and that's true because every single week is more fun stuff. Gotcha. Ha. You thought I was going to tease you with more plans? Psych. We got, we got, it's every, every episode's the best, it's the best podcast. Do you agree, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's way better than any other podcast, that's for sure. If that's what the definition of best is, then. That's what I'm saying, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say even if we were to, like, reach out of, like, even out of the podcast sphere, if we want to talk about, uh newsletters i would say this is even better than any newsletters that anybody is putting oh, out right now newsletters are for losers only losers do newsletters of course have you seen the things that he says about me in that newsletter i have and i can't believe you're just taking it oh i'm not behind the scenes i have my lawyers working on it you getting okay. called out in newsletters bro yeah you know you, that, the, he who shall not be named has a newsletter mm-hmm. the the show's the show's enemy <sighs> It's an absolute, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're staying out of it, right? We're staying out of the flame war. And, yeah. uh, and we'll just let you Above know, be the, the bigger man. Be the bigger we're, man. We're going high while he goes low. Yeah, we're being the better, the better steg man is what we're, yeah. what we're being. So. Kenny, we're talking about Chip. Oh, okay. <laughs> I could tell you actually didn't know what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it was probably Chip, but I was like, he has so many enemies, it's hard to keep Yeah, trying. that's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> guys uh thank you so much for listening to uh yet another episode we'll be back next week with what uh, i don't know ryan we we do it we do it by year so we'll, we'll make it it'll be something we're gonna make something happen it's gonna be great absolutely absolute carnage number three we. gonna be on sale pretty soon here this um, week this it's week. out wednesday oh it's out this week folks keep your eyes peeled check it out there is a it's a pretty it's a great issue you haven't read it I haven't read it. You have read it. I've read it, and it's really great, and nothing big happens in it at all. Nope. Yeah, we, we kept this one small. Yeah, it's pretty pretty low stakes. Um, <laughs> it's actually just just Eddie taking a dump. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a box a episode, like in Seinfeld. They're just waiting for a table of Chinese <laughs> food the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Uh, Kenny, thanks so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Kenny, we'll do I it love again you. Soon. I love you too, Ryan. Oh, everybody loves everybody.